In this podcast, we're going to talk about the three R's to building, but more importantly, keeping the team you want. And I'm not talking about reading, writing, and arithmetic. Heck, two of those don't even start with the letter R. I'm going to throw so much data at you, it'll be crystal clear on what you need to do, what's important, why you should do it, and how you're really going to build and keep the team you want to keep. And most of you already know, like, I know that's important, but the overwhelming majority of people in the workforce say these things don't happen. And that's exactly what we're going to dive into today. It's time for the Leadership Lifestyle Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Leadership Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Stress, and I know whether you're starting a small business, you're a solopreneur, or a leader in a large company, you need to collaborate with people. I want to help you make those collaborations fulfilling, productive, and as profitable as possible. So every Monday morning, we'll drop a new podcast episode to do just that. So let's get into today's discussion. Welcome back, everybody, to another fun-filled week. So we are going to talk about the three R's to building a team. And what I am talking about is recruiting, recognition, and retention. And I know it's like, oh, I know I've got to do all that stuff. But the, the rub becomes you never really have the time to do it, the the labor demand to do it. They, maybe you feel like it's not something that's in control of what you can do. Uh, I saw a, a meme on the internet where the CFO says, what if we develop people and they leave? And the CEO responds, well, what if we don't develop them and they stay? Or the famous Richard Branson quote, train people well enough so they can leave, but treat them well enough so they don't want to. I mean, we all know what we should be doing to build a team, but that gets in the rub of getting all the work done. And when something's got to give, oftentimes, and this isn't just work, but this is predominantly what we're talking about in, in relationships, that is what gives, is giving some recognition or working on some things to retain what you have. And those are two different things, by the way. Most people think retention and recognition go hand in hand, and one does build off the other, but but they're different things. They are not the same. And certainly it all starts with recruiting for sure. But we all wish for a better team, but we don't work so hard for it. We, we think it's someone else's job or we take it for granted that it's just going to happen, that people need their paycheck and they're going to stay or you have a picnic once in a while. And, and a lot of times that stuff just doesn't work. And you think about startup companies, you always hear about very young and all that. They got great foosball tables and beanbags chairs and that stuff just isn't what it what it takes to really keep a great team so the first thing we need to do is understand what it is that builds a great team and a lot of it starts with how are you recruiting people and what's out there in the workforce is uh you know this pandemic's coming winding down drastically and we're really starting to look for different things you know my my linkedin account you know, i have almost 7000 followers and every day i would say at least four or five times i get some notification of somebody starting a different role or being promoted and things like that so i know all that stuff is out there and you know that that's important these things we're talking about the 
recognition piece and the retention piece and the recruiting piece. And what's interesting is all the studies will tell you that it's almost the same. About 70% of employers believe this vitally important, that this has just got to happen. And at the same time, it's actually a higher percentage of people in the workforce that say it doesn't even happen, that there isn't a retention program. There isn't certainly not enough recognition. So those are the things we're going to dive into. So I want to get into a lot of statistical things of really getting to wrap our brain around how important it is and what can affect it. And maybe there's some things you haven't thought about. So I've got a bunch of stuff and all of the links to everything I'm sharing is in the show notes. So if you want to go read these articles in depth, you certainly can do that and certainly give credit to those who wrote these articles. But I wanted to give you some of this information because as I was reading this, I mean, I think we instinctively know some of these things, but to actually see it on paper, to see studies done is really kind of mind blowing. So uh, we're just going to dig right into it. So more than a third, 37% of candidates say they'd be willing to take a pay cut for a chance to learn new skills. And the same percentage see their upskilling opportunities as the most important factor on deciding a new job. So you think about that for just a minute. If you've got people that are stagnant, they are not learning, they are not growing. You got to think, remember, humans are built that way. Humans are not robots. To do the same thing over and over and over uh, just wears you out. And it's an amazing, over a third would say, you know what, I take less money if I could just learn something. Slightly over half, 51% would forego higher salaries for more flexibility. And that's even higher among women, 53% who've been in the workforce longer. So you think about just personal, when they can work. Now, of course, a lot of this, and certainly over the past year, a, a lot of work from home has definitely become the thing, but it really kind of depends on what you do. So in other words, if you're project driven, you could probably do some of that. If you are in a retail space, that's probably not going to work out very well because you have to be where your customers are. So it's subjective in a sense. Um, Pilots cannot work from home. Fun to fly a flight simulator, but that's not how that works. But um, how about this stat? Inclusion. 62% of job seekers say they'd be more likely to apply for a job where a company is openly committed to improving diversity and inclusion in the workforce. And that number jumps to 68% among knowledge workers and 72% among C-suite workers. So it goes up and it kind of makes sense. You know, the higher the education, the more you kind of understand how that diversity really creates a, a lot better teams. It just does. So there's no doubt about that at all. So number two, a great way to recruit is give your candidates a way to experience your culture firsthand. You know, the desire for upskilling, inclusion and flexibility speak to the value of the workplace culture of job seekers. So how can you really get them to understand? Because, you know, in every company interview you're going to have, they're going to tell you this sort of thing. Oh, our culture is amazing. Oh, we work, you know, we have how we handle conflict or how we work together. They all say that, but how can you demonstrate it? Um, You know, it's a little easier when it's a place you can walk into and see it firsthand. But when you can't, like if you're going to work in a corporate office, you obviously can't wander around people's corporate offices and see what they're doing. So if you're out there recruiting people, you need to find a way to show them exactly how your team communicates, how, how they work together. What can 
can you do to bring your culture to them so they understand that? If you want your candidate's social media data, ask for it. Recruiters want and need to understand as much about a candidate as possible. So checking out their social media accounts, and this is a lesson that goes both ways, uh, depending on what you post will say a lot about you. And if you're okay with that, hey, great, you're okay with that. But oftentimes people get a little hot-headed in situations and don't really control their answers as much as they should. But uh, the vast majority, 81%, say they'd be willing to share their social media with a potential employer if the right privacy measures were in place. Because what a great way, like if you're really using your social media the way it probably should be used when you're talking about sharing your experiences or things you believe in or stuff like that, it really is just kind of an extension of you rather than doing something if you're arguing with people about political points that you know. And it's kind of pointless because you're never going to say something to somebody who totally doesn't believe what you believe. And they're just go, oh, sure. Yeah, uh, you changed my mind. I mean, it's not even worth doing. So people could use that as a way to show, hey, this is who I am. These are the things I do, where I volunteer my time, the hobbies I have. That's another great way to allow candidates to to show you um, what they have. And another point, recognize how a slow process and a failure to communicate hurts your chances of attracting talent. A whopping 92% of candidates say this is probably the worst thing when they feel like, obviously they feel like they've been ghosted, but just the long process because opportunities are popping up to do different things. And when you take forever to do something, it's going to turn them off. But you know, there's some jobs and there's some companies or some areas of business that require a longer time. And if you're upfront with people about that, well, that makes sense. Uh, A lot of times when I'm doing interviewing, I'm not the only one interviewing. Other other leaders are doing other preliminary interviews. So we tell them up front, here's the process. So sometimes they think they can walk in and interview with one person and that's that's good. And then they say, oh, what do you mean? I got to come back. And it, it kind of works both ways. If you have a really robust way of interviewing uh, different candidates and you're honest and upfront about, hey, here's the process. Well, the good thing is, is you kind of get their buy-in too. That if they're willing to come back, if you know, they show that initiative, that, that, that helps you make a better decision where some other people might not say, well, you know, I've got other things to do or whatever. So um, if you're going to have a process that does drag out a little bit, what you got to do is be upfront about it and make sure your candidates know exactly how it's going to work. And then when you do that, you got to back it up. So if you say, here's here's how it works, then say that. And there's been times where I've interviewed people and I didn't even have a position, but I told them that right up front. I said, listen, don't have a position right now, but after getting some of your information, and and really looking at your skill set, I really just wanted to have a conversation with you. And I have never had anybody look at me and say, well, I don't, I'm not going to take the time to do that. Go away. You know, you're not going to offer me anything. They really appreciate the fact that I was honest with them and say, I don't right now, but who knows when I might, could be a couple months, who knows, but I was just so impressed by what you bring to the table that I just wanted to get to know who you were. And that's just an honest way of doing it. Uh, Another thing, managing your reputation 24 seven, big name is only going to get you so far. So even well-known companies, you know, they have a, a, a nice customer brand or have a clear message and all of those things. But only about a third of employees, 33%, say they're willing to apply for a position of a business they've never heard of. So when you, you know, say who you are and, and act who you are, you always have to be that. You always have to have that out there trying to to show who that is. And the, major, the majority of job seekers, especially in-demand employees working in like in technology and media and communications, they all agree 
agree that company's reputation as an employer and what the business stands for is probably the most important things. So those are some things you really need to key in on. So here's just a couple stats. So 96% of job seekers say that it's important to work for a company that embraces transparency. 79% of job seekers say they are likely to use social media in their job search. And this increases 86% for younger job seekers because they're just, they're used to operating that way. That's how they really determine it. And again, you know, what your company puts out in social media and, you know, a lot of larger companies have pages where people can just say what they're displeased with. And they, they're seeing all that too. On average, each corporate job offer attracts 250 resumes. Of those, about four to six candidates will actually get a call for an interview and only one will get the job. One in six candidates who applied for a job were asked for an interview. One in six. So, you know, they're really doing a, you know, a casting net, a broad, a broad um, way of looking at it. So, and recruiters take an average of six seconds to scan a resume. So when you have got endless bullet points and things like that, it's really hard to tell what you're really about. Um, so you got to keep that concise and how that pops. 87% of recruiters use LinkedIn to check candidates. So if, if you don't have a LinkedIn account and you are in business, if you are a, a professional, you, you're really missing out because one of the cool things is there's very few, there's some, but very few political discussions and things like that. Um, people are getting a little bit more personal what they want to share, you know, things in their home life and such. You know, after the past year with a lot of people working from home, a lot of that has changed a little bit. So you get to, it's actually a good thing because you get to see a little bit more of who somebody really is, but what an amazing way to connect. And some of the connections I have made and some of the discussions I have had with people that I never would have had professionally of, or even just about a professional topic has been amazing. So if you're not on LinkedIn as a professional, you're really missing out. So after finding a job opening, 64% of candidates say they search a company online and 37% said they will move on to another job opening if they can't find the information on the company. They're just not sure what's out there if they don't have anything to research. And I would hope in you know, today's day and age, we're, we're definitely that way. I mean, you're making a big life decision on where you want to be. So if you can't really figure out things about this company, yeah, maybe it's not, not good for you. The top five pieces of information job seekers want employers to provide as they research where to work is details on compensation packages, details on benefits packages, basic company information, details on what makes the company an attractive place to work. What is the company mission and vision and values? All of that's important. You know, one of the big thing there is the compensation package. So many times, hardly any company wants to really put that out there, but how bad is it that you got people that are applying and they're probably going to wind up getting paid less than where they're getting paid now. So that doesn't really help. 91% of employers prefer their candidates to have work experience and 65% of them prefer to have their candidates with relevant work experience. I think that kind of goes without saying, depending on the, the technical side of the job, that not every job is a training position for sure, unless you're starting at the very bottom. So that you would expect that number to be high. 87% of millennials rate professional career growth and development opportunities as important to them in a job. And this is the kind of statistic we see coming up over and over. And again, like I said, human beings are not robots. They cannot just do that one thing forever. They want to know there's opportunity. They want to know there's growth. They want to know there's mobility and they can do different things. Nearly 80% of millennials look for people and culture fit with employers followed by career potential. So you know, the thing about millennials, and I only get a bad rap, but it's really just about life experience. And they really want to just be 
where number one, they enjoy it, but number two, they can be them. And if they can't have that, then a lot of it's not worth it. Uh, back in 2015, 51% of those who did have jobs were searching for new ones or watching for openings. And, and that's, you know, we're going to get into the, to the recognition and retention piece a little later, but half, a little more than half, are constantly looking for something else. So what does that say about where they are? So American millennials are now more likely to say they will stay five years, maybe even a little longer with a company rather than just the two years that has been going on. But that is subjective to what kind of environment where they work and how things are. But they're willing to stay if the environment is right. The average time to hire a new employee was 39 days in 2016, down from 43 days in 2015. And nowadays it's a little bit quicker, but you think somebody holding on for a month and you think about attention spans and things that are available to them, somebody really going to wait for a month to try to get something that they really want. 50% of candidates say they wouldn't work for a company with a bad reputation, even with a pay increase. And boy, that's true. It is not worth it at all. Some industries I've worked in have been recruited by others, and I just can't even envision being where they are and, and working that way. And 92% would consider leaving their current jobs if offered another role with a company that had excellent corporate reputation. So that is staggering. And that, again, is like with the other stat about the environment and what's important as far as the environment they're working in, what's not happening. 92% would consider it if the company had an excellent reputation. And that's really, that's becoming the key. 69% of job seekers are likely to apply for a job if the employer actively manages its brand. This does a couple things because it, it obviously is kind of cool. You know, you kind of feel comfortable of seeing it. It, it, it kind of speaks to the environment of that, of being outgoing, but it also gives that job seeker knowledge, gives them the understanding of what is that company all about. Now here, most importantly for companies, the average cost of hiring for companies is about $4,100 per candidate. That's a big, huge expense that you're spending. 30, 33% of American workers are engaged at work versus 70% of the workers of the world's best organizations. 33, I'm going to repeat that. 33% of American workers are engaged at work versus 70% of the workers in the world's best organizations. And so you think about, and I had a previous podcast called the, the Hidden Productivity Killer and the culture and the things that are going on in the office, in that company is really going to drive how people are going to be, or how they're going to work, how they're going to be engaged. 61% um, of employees say the realities of their new job differ from expectations set during the interview process. Oh, this is one I see all the time where did we even discuss what you're going to do and what it's really like? And you don't necessarily have to say, hey, this problem will happen, but you can in the interview say, hey, if this problem happened, well, how would you handle it? So you know, 61% say this is not what I signed up for, which probably leads to the reason why you know your retention rate is low because people keep leaving. 80% of job seekers believe their companies foster diversity at work. So you know, ethically diverse companies are 35% more likely to have a financial performance above the industry 
industry mean? That's what's really a lot. Most people know that, that the more diversity you have, different thought, different way of looking at things, the more people are vested in, in getting the right things done. 41% of U.S. employers plan to use text messaging to schedule job interviews. I don't know if I got it, unless I knew their number. I don't know if, if that's really uh, effective um, in getting people's attention, because how many times would you miss something like that? But it's the wave of the future. Back in 2016, only 19% of recruiters were investing in a mobile career website. That that just seems back then, which really wasn't that long ago, that should have uh, should have really been higher than that. 78% of 2017 grads completed an internship or an apprenticeship. And that's a great way to really get in the door, get people to see who you are, but really see, hey, what's it really like here? So there's, there's a lot of good back and forth benefit that companies, organizations can see how somebody really is, but also you can really see, hey, one, is this kind of career right for me? Two, what can I really learn here? Is is the way they run their business the right way? And 97% of 2017 grads say they will need on-the-job training to further their careers. I would think, who's the other 3%? And I'm not making fun of them in a sense, but you get hired in and you don't think you don't need any additional training, that you just know it. There's no way you know it. I don't care if you're a lawyer or an accountant or any of those things. There's always more to learn, whether it's how to do something, what the knowledge really is, all of that stuff. Everybody needs on-the-job training. And if you're hiring people and bringing them in and finding their cubicle and sitting them down and say, good luck, your retention rate is going to go through the roof. They, they really need that that coaching, that, that development, that on-the-job training. And in 2020, it's estimated that 35% of job openings required at least a bachelor's degree, 30% of job openings required some college or an associate's degree, and 36 of job openings required no education beyond high school. So that's kind of pretty, almost a third, third, and a third, pretty close of what you can do. And, and my honest spin on all of that stuff is just simply, there's a million ways to make a million dollars. You do not have to have a college degree to get the job. You know, there's certain things, obviously, you're going to be a lawyer, you're going to be a doctor, that kind of stuff. Um, you're going to work in accounting. There's specific things, but not to build a life or a career or a business. So you just got to be whoever you want to be. So moving on a little bit more into recognition, because I think when we talk about recruiting and, and really dive into what are the job seekers looking for, but what are the employers looking for um, to really find that talent, um, you got to have a really purposeful way of finding the right candidates and where you find them. And so you can find not only the right candidates, but a diverse group of candidates with all kinds of skill sets and backgrounds and things like that. But then how do you get them through the process a little quicker than you normally would or, or definitely your competitors do? And hopefully, um, if you work in a large company or maybe you, know, you got your own little company, how do you capture people that you know are talented, you know can add value to your organization, but don't go through this long, drawn-out process of getting them in there, of really filling that pipeline with good candidates? So let's say we've got them in on the team, we've onboarded them, and I hope you have an onboarding process. You don't just, like I said, plug them into a cubicle and say good luck. But what what really helps them start to stay? And that's what we're going to get into. So the number one reason why employees quit is a lack of appreciation over the, uh, on their job. 79% of employees who quit claimed this was a major reason for leaving. In a study of over a thousand workers, 31% reported having quit a job within the first six months. Imagine that, that you've made this life shift, you got this whole new job, whole new company you're going to work for. And almost a third of people who did that left within six months. Now, remember that other figure I told you about, $4,100 just in hiring. 
hiring. And it can, you know, be a little less, could be a little more, depending on what your company is and what you're hiring for. But imagine turnover almost every six months by a third of people. More than 50% of all organizations globally have difficulty retaining some of their most valued employee groups. 50%. 87% of HR leaders consider improved retention a critical or high priority for the next five years. I think it's been a critical high priority forever. Now I get it. You know, a couple decades ago, leadership styles were completely different and all those things. But as things change, as people decide where they want to work or how they're going to work, kind of work they're going to do, it really has become way more EQ related versus IQ. And it's very environmental, cultural, how a business works, how a business unit works together, what kind of environment that is. So it's not just HR leaders. It should be every leader should be focused on that because the cost to replace a highly trained employee can exceed 200% of their annual salary. This constant turnover, constant training, the whole process starting all over again. 46% of high retention risk employees used apps to find new jobs in the past month versus 13% of low risk groups. Now, this is interesting when they talk about high retention risk employees. So you think of somebody who's very, very specialized in what they do. Maybe they got a lot of experience. Maybe they're just responsible for a lot. And those are the folks that are constantly looking at what they're making, what kind of an environment they're working in, what they're willing to put up with, those kinds of things versus a low risk group, meaning they just have different expectations about work and they're not necessarily constantly looking for something better. Companies that support remote work have 25% lower employee turnover rates at companies that don't. Now, I kind of chuckle when I read that because nowadays there's a lot of remote work. So here's the interesting thing. If everybody, I don't want to say everybody, but a majority of companies are now figuring out a way to work from home, but that means they're all doing it. So when you look at that stat, it's kind of like, okay, well, before last year, meaning before 2020, when people were doing that, that was kind of a different thing. But now a huge chunk of companies are doing that. So that's no longer unique in a sense. So let's get into some good stuff. Highly engaged employees are 40% less likely to be looking for a job compared to actively disengaged employees. So when we talk about highly engaged versus disengaged, what you're really talking about is how you got them engaged. They're, they just don't show up and like, oh, I'm engaged. I really like it here. Is what are the reasons why? And I've got a whole host of podcasts on stuff like that about setting the culture table, about focusing on the behaviors you do want. Is your, is your vision, mission, and strategy crystal clear? Meaning a vision of what is possible for that company, for that group of people in that business unit and your mission of what are we about? And then finally the strategy, which is related to the mission of what are the daily behaviors that make that work? When you have those things going on, you get employees that are engaged. If they 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 know what winning looks like, they know if the team's winning or losing. And third, they gotta know if what they do day in and day out contributes to that winning. That's how you get them engaged. So 93% of young professionals say they left their employer the last time they changed role. And this really speaks to there's no development opportunities within the space they were in. So they went out and found one that gave them another one. So if you don't have that going on, and it doesn't necessarily have to be promotional, although that's very inviting, it could just be different skills, different things you're in charge of. And obviously that's got to reflect what their their income is. But if there's none of that going on, that they're not ready for a bigger challenge or they're not getting a bigger challenge, they're going to find it somewhere else. 41% of employees listed job security is the most important reason to stay in a company. So of course you think, well, that's great. You know, you want job security, but does that really mean, 
hey, we just don't fire anybody. Hey, we, we don't let anybody go. It's just secure. You think about <laughs> working for the government, they don't fire a lot of people. And so what, what what kind of performance do you think you're getting out of that group if they're just, you know, it's secure here. We, we, we can just show up, do a couple things and everything's fine. So yeah, that's a high percentage. People want job security. People don't like uncertainty. But on the flip side of that, what does that get you as a company when you say, hey, we don't ever let anybody go, but you know, you can just show up as long as you try and not necessarily depend on what you're actually getting done. 46% of HR leaders say employee burnout is responsible for up to 50% of their annual workforce turnover. So half of the HR leaders say half of the people are leaving because they're burnt out and overworked. And there is a strong connection to how much labor do you have to do the things you need to do. And I've talked previously about if you really want your team to grow, you got to have the basics in place. If, if you can't get enough people on the team, if you can't get people the right skill set on the team, and then you're trying to talk to your team about these high lofty goals or this amazing vision of um, where we're going to be three years from now, if they don't have the basic needs right in front of them, none of that matters and they're going to find a way out. Strong management transparency leads to 30% better employee retention. So just really when you think about it, there's not much top secret. Well, unless you like work for a government facility that's in uh, defense or security, okay, maybe. But most companies, there, there really isn't a lot that's top secret. So employees just want to know you're straight with them that what's coming. And if you don't know the answer, say you don't know. Don't sugarcoat it. Don't fake it. But don't try to hide stuff because people sense that and they will, they will continue to believe that everything you're saying is not accurate. Employees who are not adequately recognized are twice as likely to say they'll quit within the next year. I mean, think about how do you have people on your team and you don't recognize them? You don't say anything. I mean, are they really not doing anything that you could look at and say, man, I, I, I if this person wasn't here, how, how, how much harder would it be? How do you not do that and not recognize people? You have, I don't, I don't even understand how you lead people and not speak to them and not appreciate, but I'm glad that you, you have this impact on the team. So disengaged employees make up 50% of the workforce. That is staggering. Half the people in the workforce are disengaged. They're, they're tuned out. And you can solve that with just simply talking to them by sharing information, by challenging them, giving them feedback. That is such an easy one to do. And leaders, that's on us. That stat is, well, all these stats, but that one is on us for sure. Don't wait till the end of the year to give recognition. Like you're at this big party. Oh, now we're going to recognize Because here's a couple things that happen with that. Number one, it's not timely. By the time you say something about somebody, it could be months. It could be six months prior to that. They've already forgotten about it. But if, if you're doing that, or even at the end of the quarter, you're, you're making them get almost, it's almost like, um, you know, the Golden Globes or the Hollywood Oscars. Who's going to win? You don't even know. You give recognition when it happened. And sometimes it's a big, big deal. Somebody closed a huge deal. Somebody saved a customer. And sometimes it's a little thing. Sometimes it's a very little thing, like how they speak to someone on the phone. Like you can walk by and hear somebody talking on the phone to, to a client. And when they get off the phone, how hard is it to lean over and say, you know, the way you, you handle that, the way you talk to the customer, that is perfect. Keep doing more of that and just walk away. You'd be amazed at the response you get on something little like that. But again, focusing on the behaviors you want. Most employees say they haven't been recognized this month. Again, 
again, we're waiting. There's got to be something they're doing all the time that you can point out. There's got to be something. Because one of the biggest things is employee trust is tied to recognition. If you really want to build trust with your team, you, you've got to be able to do that. That's in place that they see, they, they know they're seen, they know they're heard, that you hear them. Those are the things you got to do. So in the retention space, that's how you keep your people is the engagement, the career development, the, the appreciation all the time. As leaders, we are the thermostat of our culture. How we want it is totally up to us. So you're just going to have to invest. You can't create a flavor of the month. You have to invest. This isn't, I'm probably going to you know set some people off here. This isn't Bitcoin or GameStop. You know, only when it's hot, only the, the big thing. It's not that. Again, you you have to get them you know, into your space. You know, once you've done the recruiting, once you've done the hiring, the recognition piece is what gets you to the retention piece. It's what gets them to stay because the, the, re, the recognition part is what's creating your culture of what you're seeing out of those folks that they, they see, they know they're being recognized. They know there's more for them down the road later that they understand what winning looks like. They understand whether the team is winning or losing and they understand that they contribute to that because guaranteed behavior equals guaranteed results. You're thinking, well, duh, but how do you guarantee behavior when you got to constantly talk about what you're looking for all the time and reward it when you see it? Not next week, not two months from now, not at some award show later. I've seen I've seen companies do that. They have these big award shows later. Recognize them when it happens. You got to put all your focus on behaviors you want. You have to make sure that your three R's, that your recruiting, your recognition, and your retention, they all got to align with your vision, mission, and strategy. And let's be selfish for just a minute, just for the leaders out there. Because everything I talked about is something that is on your shoulders that you got to do. But in a selfish sense, what better way to lead than that? I mean, when you make that investment, you go down that road, you make that part of your culture. Because I've always said leadership isn't about you, but later it is about you because you're investing, you're putting in the time, you're constantly building that team through recognition that as a leader, it's better for you. So here's what I want you to put on your calendar. However you do it, you got an old paper calendar you write on, you got an Outlook calendar, don't care, however you do it. But on your calendar, every quarter, you need to have a recognition and retention review. And this is just for you as the leader. So I'm not saying you're going to do this, you're going to do recognition and retainment once a quarter. I'm saying you're going to check yourself. You're going to say at the end of that quarter, how did I do? Did I do enough? Did I recognize everybody? That's one of the big challenges, especially if you got a large team of, did you, have you talked to everybody? Have you seen everybody? Have you interacted with everybody? You must own this. You got to own the results. This is all on you. So the choice is yours. Remember what the CEO said. What if we don't develop people and they stay? Well, they're not going to stay, certainly if there's no recognition or retention. But how many people quit and stay? All of that is 100% in your control. And it starts with the person that's at the highest level of leadership in that particular business unit. Everything I just told you, everything is under your control. You don't need the CEO to do it. You don't need a divisional vice president to tell you to do it. You don't. 
It's a mentality that you got to have as a leader to make that happen. Nobody can take that away from you. Nobody can stop you. So you got to decide, are you going to be what the CEO said of having a team we don't develop, that we don't recognize, that we don't do any retention? Are they going to quit and stay? Or are you going to build an organization that you would be proud of? That's 100% up to you. Thank you so much for joining me for another show. Please share this podcast with your friends and colleagues and start up your own discussions on the topic of the show. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you never miss a show and check out the links in the show notes and give us a rating so we know how we're doing and five stars would be pretty sweet. So until next week, remember, you know you have to get work done with other people, but how you get done work with other people is entirely up to you.